Welcome to the Weekly Spiral. You are tuned into episode 53. Today we're going to dive into some NFL news, including an interesting uh, Earl Thomas headline, and um, take a look at where he might end up, if anywhere at all. And then we're going to look at the offensive side of our predictions as far as NFL awards. So we're going to look at Offensive Rookie of the Year. We're going to look at uh, Potential Offensive Player of the Year, MVP, as well as Comeback Player of the Year, and give our predictions uh as far as who we think might win those but first and foremost got my co-hosts with me today casey sully and matthew durgan how are you guys doing doing good football's uh two and a half weeks away less than two and a half weeks away like two weeks away mm-hmm. so we've almost made it through the off season almost there home stretch home stretch indeed Just, nobody screw anything up wear a mask all you gotta do <laughs> for real yeah i'm with you yeah, I think uh, wear a mask so they can wear a helmet. There you go. Damn, dude, that was inspirational. <laughs> I love it. Um, but let's dive into some news here. Uh, Earl Thomas released by the Ravens. Um, interesting, kind of unexpected, but also you know from everything we've read, maybe not so unexpected. Uh, team leadership on the Ravens basically said they were sort of better off without him. Um, his off the field antics were a detriment more so than his on-field talent might be a benefit. So what do you guys think about this? Um, Where might he end up, if anywhere? And uh, how does this impact the Ravens' outlook? Yeah, so it's been a terrible offseason for Old Thomas. Uh, Lose out $10 million this year and next year. That's $20 million in total because of this. And he got in a fight with fellow starting safety Chuck Clark, which kind of got the ball rolling on, on this. And it seems the Ravens have wanted an excuse to get rid of him. And since they released him because of conduct detrimental to the team, that's the reason why they're probably going to be able to get out of his contract for the future and get much so much needed uh, cap space. But it's weird. I mean, two years ago, we were saying this guy is the best safety in the league. Uh, sure, he's taking a step back, but he's still a hell of a player. In a great situation in Baltimore where he's on arguably the most talented team in the whole league. So, yeah, there's something going on with his life uh, off the field that we didn't really know about in Seattle. I mean, in Seattle, he was no issues uh, on the field or off the field uh, until the end there where him and Pete Carroll had some falling out issues. But in terms of where I think he plays next, if he plays anywhere at all, um, I thought Dallas was going to be the slam dunk pick. But apparently Ian Rappaport reported that Dallas is out. Jerry Jones denied that. So who knows what's going on there. Other teams, I think, could use him. Uh, Cleveland, Tampa Bay, the Chiefs. Uh, those three teams are teams I would look out for. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that anyone that's a contender is really going to be super eager to sign him. I mean, mm-hmm. especially if, you know, if the player-led co- coalition and leadership group on the Ravens are the ones that were like, nah, we're good. Uh, that's not a very good indicator because he sort of forced his way out of Seattle, flipped off Pete Carroll on that sideline when he got <laughs> hurt, you know, uh, wanted a lot of money, eventually got it in Baltimore, uh, played all right, played pretty well, and then was talking a big game about the Patriots not wanting to tackle Derrick Henry and then turned into the lead blocker for Derrick Henry on one of those <laughs> runs in the playoffs. Um and it, it seems sort of like you said, like it's a 
accumulation of all this, these things where, I mean, there's reports that he's been fined four separate times just since training camp started, which has not been very long. Uh, he missed the final team meeting after their playoff loss uh, last year, so he just no-showed to that. And most recently, he decided to be late to a meeting because he had to go get his car washed. Uh, that's what he told the coach coaches. So uh, I feel like you could come up with any any excuse is better than oh I had to go get my car washed. Say <laughs> you know my dog got out of the house and I had to go chase it down, or you know I overslept is even a better excuse than I got to go get my car washed. So uh, if I'm a front office and I have a competitive team, I don't really want to add that unless you know. I don't think anything's going to come out where it's like, oh, you know, Earl Thomas was in the right. Like, it's all cool. It's just a big misunderstanding. You know, I, I think he's now got this reputation sort of like Antonio Brown did, uh, where it, it, it might take a little while for someone to be willing to sign him and give him a chance. Yeah, I totally agree with everything you just said. I think the Antonio Brown juxtaposition is perfect in this situation um, in the sense that they're both extremely talented at what they do at their respective positions, uh, but they're also both towards the latter end of their career, right? So, um, again, it's going to be similar to what we discussed with Antonio Brown. If the money's right and it's a team-friendly deal, you will see a team take a chance on Earl Thomas with all the caveats possible in that contract that if you do any, if you look at me the wrong way, we're going we're gonna to be able to cut you and <laughs> and save all the money in that deal. So, you know he's too talented not to have an opportunity to play, but at the same time he's costing himself a lot of money with with probably what looks like chalking up to be just silly mistakes and and behavioral issues that are very easily preventable. Like it's you know it blows my mind how these sorts of players have all the potential in the world to be the best at their positions, and then they do things that are easily avoidable. Like bro, I, okay. I don't know what kind of car you drive. Maybe it's a maybe it's a really great vehicle and it needs to be well groomed and taken care of. But at the same time, like do it later. F- prioritize your schedule. Go get to the team meetings. Like you're you're at the point in your career where the expectation is you to be that leader, that vet on a team. You're supposed to be the leader of that secondary on that team at, at 31 years old. One of the best to play safety in this decade. You know to come in and be the most immature. And, and do you know getting fights with your with your teammates and stuff it, it makes zero sense you know it's 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 the kind of thing you look at as a contender like you were saying Casey and say look we're already in a position where we could we could chase for a Super Bowl do we really need this risk and that's what that's what he ends up being and um, on his end, he probably doesn't want to play for a team that's not a contender. So he's stuck in this catch-22 where a contender doesn't necessarily need you and, and the baggage that you bring, and you don't want to play for a team that's not a contender. So it'll be an interesting situation. I could easily see him end up in Dallas. It's a very, very... it's It'll be a, such a Jerry Jones move to bring on yeah. um, you know, a dude with incredible talent that has some issues. So we'll see I, I know the reports have been conflicting i would hate to see him go to dallas just because he is still a top tier safety in this league but um i'm not sure other teams are willing to take the the chance um you know and then the risk involved so that'll be an interesting situation um you guys have any final thoughts on earl thomas before we move on to some other news here i mean dallas their one weakness on defense is their defensive backs so sure. if they got earl thomas back there and can get him focused on football 
that's a total game changer. Yeah, I think yeah. Trayvon Diggs is, is going to be a good player for them, though, in the secondary. Yeah, they, but they, they have a lot of young guys. Yeah, I mean, you a lost Byron Jones and some some key pieces. So, yeah, it, it's definitely the one weakness, and I, I'd hate to see that weakness become a strength. But, um, <laughs> you know, I don't know. It's it's a risky signing. It's a high-risk, high-reward signing. But if it's a team-friendly deal, you, you you know you almost have to you take a chance on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so speaking of the secondary and some signings, Buda Baker, um, highest paid safety in the league. Arizona Arizona paid this man. Durgan, take us away on this. What do you think? Hey, he's he's a really good player. I mean, he's underrated. Two time Pro Bowler in three years. As a rookie, he's a first team All Pro. Uh, he's a lot like Tyron Matthew, where he's a safety, but he'll line up in the slot, uh, do a lot of man coverage. Uh, when the Niners play him every year, he guards Kittle. Can't stop Kittle, but he guards Kittle. So he's a great chess piece to have. But that's a lot of money for a guy who's never had a professional interception. Zero picks in three years, and you're the highest paced safety in the league. I mean, I get being ahead of the market and trying to set the market rather than be re- like reactionary towards it because Jamal Adams will get paid soon. Make Fitzpatrick will get paid soon. A lot more, uh, I'd assume, than Buda Baker. But man, I mean, it's not a bad deal. It's just kind of eye-opening. Also, there's not much guaranteed money. Uh, signing bonus is pretty small. So it's kind of a team-friendly deal. But yeah, it's, it's it's definitely raised a few eyebrows. Let's just say that. Yeah, I mean, I would expect they're trying to get out in front of those contracts, like you mentioned, with mm-hmm. Jamal Adams and Minka. Uh, but he is a really good player, and he's young, and... Uh, Maybe he believes in uh, uh, what's his name, the new defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph. Yeah, uh, who had some trouble early last year, but once they shuffled some pieces around and and got rid of Terrell Suggs, um, everything sort of clicked into place for the last couple of weeks. So maybe he's a fan, you know, of of Buda Baker and thinks that he's going to be really important to that defense and making it work. Um, and you know, if if this is your sort of window with Kyler Murray's rookie contract, now is the time to sign these guys that are going to be impact players. Um, and maybe he'll get his hands on an actual interception and uh, <laughs> catch it and do something with it afterwards. But uh, he's a very good young safety, sort of, I think, that next tier down from Mika and Jamal Adams. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the the headline across the NFL and uh, NFL media is the highest paid safety in the NFL, but just barely. I mean, it's not as if it was some record-setting contract that reset the market it, it, he got i think on average yearly contract value one hundred fifty thousand dollars more than the next highest paid which was eddie jackson for chicago so yes it's the highest paid but i think it's a good signing in the sense that exactly what casey said you're going to see these other dudes get paid much more than that so they got ahead of it and if buda baker plays how they expect him to it'll be a, a team-friendly deal in essence even though it's the highest paid right now so I like the signing a lot. I think Buda Baker is a great safety, and he's only 24 years old. Um, his best his best games are ahead of him. So I like it for Arizona. Arizona's a team that's trending upwards, and this only adds to that, locking in one of your young defensive stars. Um, and then as far as interceptions go, I think that's an that's sort of an overvalued stat. I, I get it. I guess I don't know. It's it looks good to have the interceptions, but. Uh, there's a lot more that a safety does that impacts the game than than turnovers. So, and I think Buda Baker does almost everything that you would want from a safety. Well, yeah, 
So I agree. I mean, it's sort of it's a little bit of a different position than corner, but just like oh, Sherman doesn't have a ton of interceptions. Well, that's because nobody throws at him. Yeah. yeah. So if teams are avoiding targeting him and, and putting it in a place where you know he can make an impact, then obviously his stats are going to be lower in that in that department. Yeah. I mean, your sure. your first team all pro. I guess it doesn't make a difference what your stats yeah. say. Obviously, <laughs> you are a, a pretty damn good player, uh, but. He's gone from the under undervalued, underappreciated guy to like kind of Kenny Clark. He was young, yeah. overperforming yeah. his draft spot, and now he's paid a lot of money. So now you have to continue this and get better and have more of an impact. Yeah, for sure. He has to step up to the plate now. Yes. Now that's the expectation. Yep. Yep, totally agree. Um, next piece of news here. Some stadiums in the upcoming season will allow fans uh, and some will not up to a certain percentage. What do we think about this? Is it an unfair advantage for those teams that have actual fans in the stands? Is it not? Does it really matter at all? What, what, what is our take on this? Casey, we'll start with you. I mean, I don't see how it's not an unfair advantage. I mean, you think about, you know, even divisions are all spaced over different states, right? So if we're talking about the NFC East, are, are Cyrus going to be happy if, you know, the Dallas Cowboys in a state like Texas is down with people being in a stadium and Philadelphia isn't and New York isn't. Why is it fair for the Cowboys to have fans in the stadiums, but everyone else in the, the division can't. So now they get a little bit of extra help. I don't know that their fans have really helped in the past at home games. They've sort of been a historically better away team, but uh, I don't see how that's going to be allowed and how that's going to be okay. Cause even if 20% out of, of a stadium is still, you know, 10, 15,000 people, mm-hmm. it's not going to be, you know, full throated, you know, 12s in Seattle, but they're going to make a difference. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, you know, people cheering for you when you score a touchdown gets you more hyped up than silence. So it's pretty surprising to me that the NFL hasn't stepped in and said, you know, if, if, no, if one team can't have them, then all teams shouldn't have them. Yeah, I agree. And it's not like, teams really have a choice in some states like us in california we have no choice if if you're the owner of the niners they announced today they're not going to have fans in the beginning of the season if it was up to every team they would absolutely have 20 percent fans coming to their games but it's a issue beyond football it's a government issue every state's different and it's unfair to judge that because unfair for teams to be punished because of that so Texas, like you said, they're going to have fans there. But California, yep. we're probably not going to have fans until it's a vaccine. The only difference if you agree with it or not is a matter of NFL have to say, okay, we need an even playing field for all teams, and we have to have either every team have 20% or teams have nobody. Yeah. And since there's a government like that and those kind of issues, you have to say no fans, even if it does hurt your revenue and your back and your uh, you know money in your pocket. But you need to have some sort of fairness. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a couple things I want to touch on here. One, you know, I think a good sort of example of the fact that it will impact the game and that it will have some degree of home field advantage, even if it's 20% of the, the fans. If you watch the NBA playoffs right now, it's it's interesting. It's very weird mm-hmm. because there are no fans. Um, there is some artificial fan noise, but uh, there's essentially no home court advantage and... I think it has had some impact on on some of the games, uh, and I think it will definitely impact the NFL season 
if some teams have fans and some don't. And it's just the nature of sports in general, right? There's a lot of psychological uh, aspects that are included with home uh, home field advantage and, and having your fans cheering for you and booing the other team. So I definitely think it makes a difference. Uh, but at the end of the day, what it comes down to is money. And it's 100% the reason why teams would push for it and the NFL wouldn't do some sort of blanket no team has any fans for the upcoming season uh, situation. It's money. It's 100% money. If the, the owners are going to lobby. They're going to say, well, my state's fine with it. We're open, to, so why can't we do it and get this ticket revenue that you otherwise have you know, taken away from us? So that's the ultimate reason why this would happen. But I do think you know it's on Roger Goodell. It's on the, on the league to sort of set an even playing field. It's an unprecedented situation. But at the same time, it, it really wouldn't make sense um, to have fans across the board at these stadiums. So I think, you know, it won't happen. I think there's too much money on the line, and, and we'll see this. Basically, some teams having fans and some teams not, even in a limited capacity. But I think it, it would be the, the right thing to do um, to not have fans just across the board. At least, in, you know, if things change midseason, then you you adjust. But um, for the foreseeable future, not have any fans and but since when has doing the right thing ever stopped the NFL from capitalizing <laughs> on monetary gains? So, uh, yeah, that's just going to be what Wait, that's going to be. The, the Chiefs had an open practice, not like open, but they had about 2,000 fans at their practice and only mm-hmm. covered about eight sections. And it, it was really socially distanced in terms of spacing everybody out. And teams can do it, but it's the whole thing. Oh, we're going to make sure everybody wears a mask during the game. And the picture they took... Like, half the guys aren't wearing masks. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you can't enforce it. I mean, you're not going to have somebody just staring at the fans all day, making sure that, that the mask police. So, it's, you know, there, there's such pros and cons to both of them where I think teams could do it, but you can't blame the government for wanting to be safe uh, and trying to be, you know, as precautionary as possible. But, like you said, NFL cares about money. And as long as you're making money, they will not ask too many questions yeah it's a business at the end of the day and Mm -hmm. you know they're going to do what makes the most sense from that perspective but um yeah i think we'll definitely see some inequality as far as fairness goes and in that sense just Mm -hmm. even if it's marginal it's going to exist yeah i mean i have to imagine if they're going to allow fans they should also allow fan noise to be pumped in for the teams that don't get fans yeah i don't know how you organize that but uh, that might be some middle ground where you know you get some advantage and whatever people can log on and yeah. tap a app on their phone, press the button, and it makes their voice louder in the stadium or yeah. something like that. I Bring mean, Seattle's been, pump, Seattle's been pumping fan noise in their stadium saying. for years. Bring on <laughs> they're, Seattle. They're experts con, at it to con, con, you know be a consul, consultative uh, entity and, and explain how they do it, and every other team can do it too. <laughs> So there you go. There you go. Uh, let's look at some of the offensive predictions for the upcoming awards for the season. So um, we'll start off with the offensive rookie of the year and who we think might be a uh, contender to win that. Durgan, give us your pick for this. Yes, I went with this guy uh, when we talked about this a few months ago after the draft. I'm thinking Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is just that's too easy of a pick. Like, that, that's just too basic for me. So I'm going with Jonathan Taylor. I think he's going to be on a good team. That's going to want to run the ball over and over again. Uh, Frank Wright said they will feed the hot hand between him and Marlon Mack. 
Marlon Mack's a good back, but he's he's not special. He, he's not a guy you can replace easily, and also he's a free agent after this year. So Jonathan Taylor, that's my guy. I think by the end of the year, he's going to get 20, 25 touches a game. And uh, hopefully my uh, Indianapolis Colts, my team this year, they can uh, lead all the way to the AFC Championship. Nice. Um, uh, uh, I, I need to. Uh, I need to go next, Casey, just because okay, I feel personally he did, attacked. He called you basic. He called me basic. <laughs> my my pick is Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Um, so I, you know, I looked at Jonathan Taylor, all the talent in the world, but he will one hundred percent split carries with Marlon Mack. If Frank Reich runs the offense like we think he will, he's not getting twenty five touches a game, twenty five carries. Uh, there's not a chance that Jonathan Taylor does, but he'll still have a good season. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, on the other hand, is the only surefire running back on that team now. Damian Williams opted out, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire is going to be in almost every offensive snap, I think. So he might even be the best. He, he's in the running to be the best, one of the best fantasy running backs this year even. So oh, yeah. I, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised First if he picks. has a 1,000-yard season. Um, and with everything, you know, how high-powered that offense is, he there's going to be so much open space for him to do so many things and i could just see him just ex- exploding in, in his rookie season so i'm going to pick clyde edwards a um even though it's the easy pick according to durgan i'm going to pick him <laughs> as the offensive rookie of the year yeah i mean it's sort of like saying you know raheem mostert is going to get offensive rookie of the year. i know he's not a rookie but in a backfield like that where shanahan rides well, the hot hand you know, it's it's hard for a guy to get enough statistically for the voters to say like, oh yeah, he's the he's the rookie of the year. I mean, the Niners like they split like four ways. Yeah, the, I mean, you got the, Naheem Hines, you got Jonathan Taylor, you got Marlon Mack. Yeah, there's three of them. Hines isn't that good. And also, Marlon Mack had a thousand yards last year, like eleven hundred yards last year. I think yeah. Taylor is just like a beast. You don't you don't draft the guy in the second round, like I said with AJ Dillon. You don't draft the yeah. guy in the second round for him to sit on the bench. Like you're going to play him. So, yeah, yeah, but, but you're going to give him 25 you, touches. Exactly. You're not going to get 25 by, by, touches. By, it's by not Ezekiel year, Elliott. By week 10, he'll have the job. No, the, even, I mean, even there if, is no job to have. Even if that's have. true, though. That's, that's the misconception here. There is no job to have in Frank Reich's offense. They're going to split we'll carries, see. Marlon Mack and I Jonathan just, Taylor. I think he's a different beast. I think Jonathan Taylor is the guy. If it's in that offense where they're not going to pass the ball a whole bunch, that's a perfect fit for him. I mean, even if he has exclusively the job and gets 25 carries a game, from week ten on, I don't. I still don't think that's enough to beat out uh, a guy that that is getting touches throughout the season. I mean, Clyde yeah, Edwards I mean, but. yeah, but that's that's the basic pick. I didn't want to do that. Got to spice it up, you know. Well, all right, I got a non-basic <laughs> pick for you as well. I got C.D. Lamb, who's maybe a little bit basic. He's like got half the basic girl outfit. He's got the Uggs and the the leggings, <laughs> but he doesn't have he doesn't have the pumpkin spice latte. There you go. So, I already hate uh, this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the biggest ob- obstacle for him is sort of like we just talked about with John and Taylor, Jonathan Taylor is is he going to get enough targets to to pad that resume? I think he's going to get almost exclusively single coverage with uh, Amari Cooper and Gallup both on the field at the same time. Um, but th- both of those guys are also in the pecking order ahead of him. And then you also have to compete with the run game with Ezekiel Elliott. Um, Mike McCarthy notoriously underused Aaron Jones in Green Bay, so maybe Zeke isn't as much of a threat to his touches, but you got to think that run game is still going to get, you know, 20, 25 carries a game, whether it's Zeke or someone else, and then you got whatever, 10 targets each for Cooper and Gallup, and that doesn't leave a whole lot of 
share out there for uh, C.D. Lamb. So I, I think that's his, his biggest obstacle. But to me, he's the most polished receiver. Uh, he's on a team that's going to be competitive, which factors into the voting. And uh, you know, I, I think he's going to be in that national spotlight. He's going to have primetime games. He's got to have an opportunity to show out. Like if you think about Odell Beckham Jr., who made that one catch on Sunday Night Football against the Cowboys, and uh, it sort of launched him into stardom. I can sort of see the same thing happening for CeeDee Lamb and, and getting him the Offensive Rookie of the Year. I Listen, I love CeeDee Lamb. I think he is the most talented receiver in this draft class. But like you said, I think you also explained every reason why I don't like this this pick, and it is that there is only one football to go around. I could mm. easily see CeeDee Lamb being eased into the offense and not a primary target. Um, especially in a shortened off season, I don't know that he's going to have the stats just on that team. I don't know that he'll have you know more than 500 receiving yards this season, just by the nature of oh. the other two talented receivers they have. Like Amari Cooper yeah. and Michael Gallup are both thousand yard receivers. It's not they're it's not as if Ceedee Lamb's coming in a situation where he's wide receiver two. He's wide receiver three. Yeah. He may not even be on the field all the time. So um, it's going to be tough. It, I mean, a lot will have to go right for Ceedee Lamb, but he has the talent to, to capitalize. You know, if one injury happens. He's he has all the talent to become uh, offensive rookie. Michael Gallup sprains his ankle or something, let's say, and and he comes in yeah. a, opposite of Mark Cooper. He's gonna ball out. There's no question. But I just don't think there's enough to go around for him yeah. to win this well, award. Well, look, I think really if Joe Burrow does slightly above average, he's gonna win. I, I think that's just sort of the way the yeah. the uh, the awards are skewed. And he's already got the hype. If the Bengals overachieve slightly, That's and you know he doesn't throw a ton of interceptions, he's a like we saw last year with Kyler Murray. Kyler yep. Murray, I don't think was the best rookie uh, in in the league last year on on offense, but he won it because he's a quarterback. He's in the premium position. Um, but I think we've picked guys that are, you know, may end up being more deserving at the end of the year um, as far as how they contribute, but. Uh, I think it's Joe Burrow's to lose at this point, and then we're we're all hopeful that you know some running backs and receivers get some love. some reasoning happens. With <laughs> yeah, others. sure. Yeah. I think Joe Burrow is the betting favorite, but I'm not buying the hype that he'll have a really good rookie season. I think he'll have a worse rookie season than Kyler Murray did. Wait, okay, uh, well, Ky- uh, Kyler can run though. That's a thing. Like apparently, Joe Burrow he's, is going to throw a lot of picks. I don't know. He's, te- he's tearing up the Bengals secondary well, in, in yeah, oh, camp right now. I think apparently, man. Man. <laughs> you could probably tear yeah, up the so Bengals secondary, out. Casey. I mean, yeah. Hey, man, that Bengals. Line I'm, I'm available. 28 year old free agent, undrafted. <laughs> I'll take the vet minimum. <laughs> All right, um, they're they're not going to call. But let's move on to comeback player <laughs> of the year as the next category here. Um, we each have some interesting picks here. I think all could be in the conversation. Durgan, you want to you give us your pick first? Yeah, let me start by saying my biggest issue with this award is that you can't give it to a player who's coming off a bad season just because he sucked. Like, Ryan Tannehill got it last year. It's like, yeah, he came back. Where did he come back from? Being a crap player? Like, that's not, that's not what it's about. It's about coming off of an injury. So when I look at that, my guy is Big Ben. I picked him months ago, my gambling preview. He's the odds-on favorite right now. Him and uh, Cam Newton are tied. I'm sticking with the same offense. It's going to be a pass-first offense. going to be on a good team. Got an A-plus coaching uh, Tomlin. And three young, yet very uh, productive 
or possibility to be productive receivers, Deontay Johnson, Juju, and James Washington. So I think he's going to pick up big stats this year. And also the AFC North, if they can get second place, like I predict them to, and that now Earl Thomas is gone, I mean, there's no superstar defensive backfield in the AFC North. I mean, Joe Burrow is tearing up the Bengals. Uh, the Browns just lost Grant Delpit injury. He's supposed to be with their starting safety. And then the Ravens still have a good secondary, but you lose Earl Thomas, that helps him a lot. A lot. So he's going to throw a lot of yards, a lot of touchdowns, assuming his arm strength is back. We can't tell with no preseason. But, uh, yeah, I'm rolling with Big Ben. That's my guy this year. Uh, Okay. I think it's Alex Smith. And I don't think uh, someone's going to have to really, I don't know, do something wild to beat him. I think he's too much of a Cinderella story, even if he doesn't really take a snap. Uh, like, well, life-threatening injury yeah. that he has sustained he two has years to, ago. He has to play in order to get it. I don't, I don't know if he does, dude, this, honestly. This isn't a CYO basketball. If not he's give on awards the roster, anybody. if he's on the roster, I think uh, he's got a good shot of, of coming back. The fact that he's even in an NFL training camp right now and throwing the ball and looking better than Dwayne Haskins is uh, a testament to his comeback story. Uh, I think he's just too good of a story. He has a ESPN documentary about him yeah. already, about his uh, yep. comeback and, and the deal with his leg. So uh, he seems primed to me. I, I think eventually he's going to get a snap, even if he just kneels, you know, uh, and his story is pretty remarkable. So I, I think it's going to be hard to pick someone that's not him. I mean, I, I agree with all that, but he has to play. I mean, he can't throw for one touchdown and – 400 yards and be defend or comeback player of the year spiritually yes and in, in, <laughs> in, in, in the spirit of the award yes but in terms of the actual voters he had to play but he might i'm not i'm not a big twin i'm not a big twin haskins guy or kyle allen guy for that matter so he might play yeah i think yeah. he's even without seeing him take a snap after this injury and i agree casey it's one of the most inspirational stories to go from you know, potentially losing your leg and almost dying then from an injury, right? Uh, yeah. To being back in the NFL, it's uh, remarkable. But even without seeing him play a snap post-injury, I think he still might be the best quarterback on that team. So there is a definite chance that he plays. You know, if his if his mind is right and he can he can uh, overcome that aspect of of recovering from this injury, I think he has a chance to start for the Redskins. I don't see why not. You know, like Kyle Allen's bad. Um, he showed some flashes, but he's not—he's not good. Um, Dwayne Haskins is bad. He showed some flashes, but he's not good. Same situation. Uh, so unless you see something truly, you know, that from these young guys, that's like, oh, they, well, they're the quarterback of the future. We'll, they'll make some mistakes. We'll put them out there. I don't know that. I don't know that Ron Rivera sees that. So I think if if Alex Smith can play even eighty, ninety percent of of what he was prior to the injury he's he's a better quarterback option than those two so there's a definite chance that this happens but i agree a little bit with durgan that we need to see some on-field action um in order for him to win the award you know i'd love him to win just because of the story but uh it it would be it would be tough if he didn't play yeah well we'll see we'll when, see uh, you know the the voters vote for him yeah who, who do you got 
I got AJ Green. I think this guy is primed to be the comeback player of the year. If he if he plays and he's healthy, he's he has all of the talent and opportunity to be um, exactly what he was. You know, this. I mean, he's been in the league what like let me see one like eight years like 10 yeah eight years eight years or so maybe more no nine years and he's had thousand yard seasons receiving seasons in all but two of those uh one of them was 964 and he only played 10 games so almost thousand yard receiving seasons in every season except 2018 and he didn't really play in 2019 so if he can come back you know this team is not devoid of talent necessarily offensively if Joe Burrow plays even average you know that's better than what they had last year so I would I would say you know if AJ Green's out there and he can stay healthy he's easily the comeback player of the year in in my opinion I you know there's nothing that says he can't have a thousand yard season he's still 32 which is not young but it's still not old he can he can play um and I think he'll I think he'll be a sleeper pick in fantasy too I mean, the fact that he's on the Bengals, who are going to be a bad team, losing a lot of games. Oh, they're throwing all the time. Definitely helps him out. Yeah, definitely yeah. helps out. They're be throwing a lot, but they got they got some guys. I mean, they got T. Higgins through the draft. Yeah, uh, they got uh, Boyd Tyler Boyd as their kind of thing. Yep. I think he's their top receiver now. John uh, Ross so is we'll, still fast. John Ross is still around uh, somehow. I wouldn't be surprised if AJ got traded halfway through the season, but if he can stay healthy, like you said, there's no reason why he won't get a thousand yards. Yeah, yeah. So that helps a lot. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my pick. Um, let's transition to Offensive Player of the Year. We each have some interesting takes here. Casey, uh, I know you have your love affair with yours, and uh, you always bring this guy up. You <laughs> yeah. want to give us an explanation as far as why you think this guy might be Offensive Player of the Year? Well, he's the only guy better than Devontae Adams. Yeah, the there we go. Uh, okay. so I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. Uh, Julio Jones. I-, I think he's been slept on a little bit somehow the last couple of years. The Falcons' offense is still good. They, you know, they have the the weapons. They have Gurley now. The offensive line struggles a little bit, but they throw for a lot of yards. Matt Ryan's still very, very good, um, and they have Ridley, who I'm I'm pretty high on as well. So that makes it a little bit more difficult to double Julio. Uh, I think teams are still going to, but he's gonna do what Julio does and and dominate regardless. Um, so I, I think it's time that he gets a little more love. And uh, he's gonna ball out this year because they're gonna have to throw a lot, especially in that division. You got Tampa Bay, you got the Saints. Um, probably don't have to score a lot of points against the the Carolina Panthers, but uh, you know he's gonna get some targets and he's gonna be he's gonna be going. I don't hate it. I mean, I'm, I'm a Julio guy, but for some reason Julio Jones can't score touchdowns, and that's I just don't understand. He's six four, two twenty, an athletic specimen but has never put up crazy good touchdown numbers. If he can change that this year and get 10 touchdowns receiving or more, then he definitely going to put himself into uh, the picture. But unless he, based on past history, if he gets another 1,400-yard receiving season but only gets seven touchdowns, those touchdowns are going to hold him back, whether it's fair or not. That's kind of the award, though, is who put up the best statistical uh, season offensively. Yeah, they they really just need to show them, throw them short yep. screens <laughs> on fourth down, uh, you know, with the game on the line. Or just throw the ball up it's in the air they need and he'll do. catch it. I don't think Cyrus got that reference, but... Um, I did get it. Okay. <laughs> You're talking about the Eagles game. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. I'm just not okay. reacting. I'm choosing not <laughs> to react to it. Okay. 
Well, I wanted the reaction. That's why I know. I said that's it, why so. I'm not giving it to you. <laughs> well, Fair I, I went with uh, Mr. 1000, 1000, and Christian McCaffrey. Seeing a lot of touches in a short passing game with Bridgewater. Uh, he's going to be on a bad team as well. So I think he might have more receiving yards this year than rushing yards, which would be pretty incredible. Uh, he's going to be on a bad team. But if you can put up the stats, if you can get 20 touchdowns, sounds like a lot. But if Aaron Jones can do it, Christian McCaffrey can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they say that the Panthers overachieve, maybe they win seven games this year. That'll definitely help his cause. I thought he should win last year over Michael Thomas. But, you know, that's how it is. McCaffrey, best running back in the league, puts up the best stats. Hopefully he wins it this year. Yeah. I'm, I'm down with that one. I'm down with that one, too. And I was going to pick him until I saw that you picked him, so I felt like I needed <laughs> to pick somebody else just to spite you. And my pick... <laughs> you, you spited me, all right. This is oh, I did, I did, I did. I think um, I think it's going to be this past year's MVP who wins Offensive Player of the Year, Lamar Jackson. Uh, and I'm hedging my bets a little bit here. I picked him and, and somebody else when, when we get to our MVP pick, and I think either one could be intertra- interchangeable. But I'm going to pick Lamar Jackson. I think in, in a similar vein... As Christian McCaffrey, he's the ultimate dual threat at his position, um, running the ball and throwing the ball. And I know you're not a big believer in his accuracy and his throwing ability, but this will be a prove-it year for him throwing the ball. I think he'll he'll take that next step. And he was already good last year. Um, just because of that threat, it opened up a lot of passes for him. And he, and he, and he did a good job. He, I mean, he had multiple five-touchdown games. So, you know, it's, it's something where... I only see him improving, and I, I see the Ravens also improving alongside him with that roster. So I'm expecting big things from Lamar Jackson. I don't think he wins MVP this year again just because I think another player comes in, and if he doesn't get injured, um, has a, a better season as a quarterback, and, and that usually leads to an MVP award. But uh, I think he is a close runner-up for the MVP and ends up winning the offensive player of the year just because he's going to throw up some gaudy stats as a runner and a passer. I mean, so, I agree with the know. fact that he's going to put up stats running the ball. He's, he's a great runner. I mean, he I'll already put up stats passing the ball, so I don't know where you're coming from. But he, like, he did that already. You're acting as if he hasn't done it yet. He did it last season. <laughs> we'll see. We'll no, see. We, last we, year, he, last, he already did it. There's nothing to last see. Year, <laughs> last, last year, he had a, you know some big windows throw into. This year, defense is... Not gonna play that game. We'll see though. We'll see. I, we've already talked about this. I, I'm uh, I'm confident. I'm confident in my uh, prediction this year. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Oh. I'll cry. You were confident but. in it last year. It didn't yeah. work out. Yeah. What happened? You had to correct yourself and own up to it on last week's episode where yeah, we that was, talked that about was, our worst takes. That was wrong about him versus Josh Allen. But you know, he congrats. He's better than Josh Allen. All right. His medal. Well, but Josh Allen's not on any too. of these lists, so we don't even need to <laughs> no. worry about him. But let's let's move on to MVP uh, and give our takes for who we yes. think might be the upcoming MVP. Um, so, Durgan, I can tell you're passionate about this one, yeah, so I'm going to let you one. start it off. So you have to look the most valuable player, the person who brings the most value to his team. You take him off, and they're a bad team. That would be Mr. Unlimited, the cringe god, Russell Wilson. I'm a Niners fan saying that. So that's how you know I'm unbiased, big J journalist. You take him off the Seahawks, and they might be the worst team in the NFC. Seriously. They have no offensive line, a above-average wide receiver slash tight end group. Running backs, I mean, you have Chris Carson, but he's hurt every year. 
defensively, yeah, they got Adams now, which helps a lot, and Bobby Wagner, but no pass rush now. So you have to look at that. Also, when you look at Mahomes, who is the best player in football by a wide margin, I believe. But this Chiefs team, which is essentially the same group of offensive core players, made the playoffs with Alex Smith. No offense to Alex Smith, but he's an average quarterback. My guy, uh, but he's average. He's above average, but anyway, go ahead. Slightly he's, above he's average. A yeah. I mean, he, he's, he's a good quarterback. I mean, he's a... You look at his starting rankings of football players, with them healthy, he's not in the top half. He's probably between 22 and 32. Uh, no, I think he is I in the top half. I strongly disagree with that. I think he's that. in the top half. Oof. I think he's right I there around like 15 to 10, to be honest, I mean, when he's healthy. Alex, he had, he's oh. played well. Alex Smith isn't yeah. that good. Anyway, move on. I mean, <laughs> then you look at guys like Lamar Jackson. Yeah. I mean, you look at the him comparative uh, incompetent Joe Flacco, and he turned that team around. But no quarterback has won back-to-back since 08-09. That was Peyton Manning. Lamar Jackson is not Peyton Manning. It's at eight different years, there's been eight different MVPs. So it's tough to win back-to-back. It's very tough. Also, you have to look at interceptions. Wilson has thrown under 10 picks the last two years, and he still has, for the most part, the same wide receivers. A little more tight ends, but he has chemistry with them. So it's not going to be throwing through a new group. So I think that's going to help him a lot as well as the Seahawks make the playoffs. Uh, once again, for like the, every year he's been there, made the playoffs. So eventually he has to you know, get some recognition. And, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Mahomes won. I mean, that's, I have no problem with that at all because uh, he is like I said, the best player in the league by a wide margin. But I take the valuable part of the MVP award to heart. And this is every sport. I mean, LeBron James should have been the MVP every year he's been in the league for the past 12 years. He may win every year, but he should be because he is the most valuable player to his team. But I digress. Uh, I hope he doesn't win this year, um, Russell Wilson. I hope he gets last place because that means the Seahawks were bad. But, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I just want some credit where credit is due, even if he's cringe. Yeah. He, yeah. Uh, go ahead, Casey. I mean, he, he's he's a very good quarterback, but you're, you're talking about a guy whose most famous pass was an interception in the Super Bowl. I mean, that makes uh, no difference. I'm just saying, he he's not in a flashy offense. Uh, they don't put up insane points. He doesn't put up insane stats. His best year was last year: 31 touchdowns, five interceptions, 4,000 yards. Should yeah. MVP. Very, very good year. Uh, but that's still not blowing the doors off of you know statistically wowing people right he's making that team a lot better but from a team uh, uh, an outside perspective where you're not following the Seahawks every week uh, I don't know that you look at him and say like oh wow this guy is playing out of his mind Uh, and you would like the voters to watch every team and watch every game and all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. and they don't agreed Uh, agreed but you can sort of say say the same thing about Rodgers, and this is not me banging the drum for, for Rodgers, but just as a, a comparison, they have pretty similar stats the last three full years that they've both started because Rodgers missed one because of injury. Uh, but you don't see anyone banging the drum for, for Rodgers as far as MVP well, stuff. they had losing so, seasons. Besides last year, they weren't yeah. good. Well, well uh, and yeah. then he missed one, and then they had a, a tough year, and... You know, this last year he he played well again. He yeah. he had twenty something uh, touchdowns, less than five interceptions, over four thousand yards. Um, all things being equal, I'm just saying 
you know, he has equivalent stats of Aaron Rodgers. And when you have, when you don't highly exceed expectations, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes throwing 40 plus touchdowns or Lamar Jackson running for a thousand yards as a, as a quarterback, uh, I think it makes it tough. It's sort of like the Drew Brees syndrome. Drew Brees is balled out year after year after year after year, but there's always somebody that just blows him out of the water one year, every year. You know what I mean? Someone just has an insane year, and he's very consistent. He's very good. He just doesn't blow the doors off one season in particular. So I think that's sort of what Russell Wilson is up against. Yeah, and it's also just the nature of the award itself, which Durgan touched on. Um, like you said, I, I agree. I, like, I've said this many times. When we always when we talk about Russell Wilson, as cringy as he is, and as you know weird it is to see some of the things that he puts on Twitter, um, nobody does more with less as a quarterback in this league. Like he is that offense. He carries that team to victories. I've never seen a quarterback play as well under pressure constantly. So yes, is he the most valuable player to their respective team? I might I might say yes, but the way the award is positioned. They're going to look at stats. They're going to look at yeah. stuff like that he just won't have just because of the nature of that team. He, w- he won't have that. There is no elite players around him, I, in my opinion. I can't think of one elite player on that offense besides Russell Wilson. Is the, yeah. I mean, just yeah. isn't there. Like Chris Carson, above average, solid running back. He's going to get when you. Healthy. He's, when he's when healthy. healthy. Lockett is up there. Lockett's Lockett, good, I think, is, is a little underrated. Just he doesn't have the same name recognition as a lot of elite receivers. He's he's a good receiver. Yeah. I wouldn't put yeah. him in that upper tier echelon. Like Drew Brees has Michael mm-hmm. Thomas, no. you know, Matt Ryan, yeah. Julio Jones. A lot of these quarterbacks have their, their guy. Um, the Seahawks don't really have that. Maybe DK Metcalf becomes that. Who knows? But right now and in the past few years, Russell Wilson has never really had that on his offense. So, uh, the fact that he still is in the MVP conversation year in, year out speaks volumes, I think. And is he super talented? Absolutely. Is he deserving to be in the conversation? Absolutely. If he had, if the Seahawks organization put these sort of players around him, would he be a legitimate contender to win? I think so. Is he now? Probably not for that exact reason. He's not going to have the stats that a Mahomes will or a Lamar Jackson will. It's just, it's just the nature of the team and the way it's built. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. In case when you said that, like, yeah, most of the voters don't watch every game, which is a problem in itself. They just yeah. watch other oh, turn on ESPN. Oh, okay, who are they hyping up this year? Two years ago it was Mahomes, deservedly so. Last year it was Jackson. I don't like him, but deservedly so. He put crazy stats. So yeah. the problem is that they're looking at Twitter and they're looking at media and whoever they're hyping up is who they're going to vote for. And guys like Wilson, who do everything the right way and might not have a 500-yard passing week, but carry their teams to victories are getting swept under the rug. They're fortunate, but you know, I'm just hopeful yeah. for once NFL uh, will give recognition to those who deserve it. Well, I guess we'll we'll see. I think he's definitely deserving of being in the conversation, and I think he's starting to get more buzz around his name. So I think of all the years, this is probably one of the more likely yes. years that people start to recognize and give him a little bit more attention. But I went with Patrick Mahomes. I just think that, like we talked about, the offense is too flashy. They score too many points. He's gonna have the stats. He's you know a superstar. Just came off a Super Bowl victory, uh, and that sort of primes him to be in you know the 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 spotlight he's going to have primetime games people are going to be talking about him uh so i think he's sort of set up to to have an opportunity to win his second um in three years since he won in 2018 so uh 
yeah, I, I think he's just the, the criteria that the voters usually look at. I, I think he, he checks a lot of the boxes. Yep. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, I won't go on about it, but my pick is also Patrick Mahomes. And I think part of the reason is the fact that the Chiefs seem to be getting better like with their team. They're locking in key players. They drafted a, a running back that's going to help him out a lot, I think. Um, you know, and then, then you got Seattle drafting Jordan Brooks in the first round of questionable <laughs> linebacker choice. Who's not going to help Russell Wilson in any way may not even see the field in year one. So it, it's just different philosophies. Andy reads all in on, on this window. They signed Patrick Mahomes for a 10 year contract. They're invested in this offense and speed. You know, you got the strongest arm in the league paired with pro- probably the fastest player in the league. He's just set up to win this award. And like we said, with Joe, Joe Burrow and the offensive rookie of the year is it's Patrick Mahomes to lose at this point. So um, that's that's my pick as well. I know it's the boring pick and it's not as exciting, but um, it's just hard to pick anyone else at this point. You know, you could pick Lamar Jackson for the exact reason I put him at offensive uh, player of the year, but um, it's it's hard to pick. Like if Mahomes didn't get hurt last year, it would have been a lot closer he won. to the race. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to pick against him if all things go as expected. And they probably True. will, unfortunately, for anyone else in the AFC, but... <laughs> that's that's the way the cookie crumbles. Um, let's wrap things up there on episode 53, though. Thank you for sticking with us for uh, what has been a very fun episode. We really appreciate it. Um, please check us out, our website, weeklyspiral.com. You can find us on YouTube, youtube.com slash weeklyspiral, as well as all of the relevant social handles, Weekly Spiral. You can find us there. Uh, you guys have anything you want to plug to the beautiful listeners and let them know to look out for? Casey. Yeah, a uh, little bit of home cooking. I got Alan Lazard, the receiver from Green Bay, uh, and looking at whether he can grow into a solid number two guy to be someone for Aaron Rodgers to lean on outside of Devontae Adams. So that'll be out um, soon, within the next day or two. Well, you got, uh, yeah, I guess love for the Debo Samuel uh, video as well. Yeah, after I convinced Debo's you out. to do it. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a great player. A I'm a big watch. Debo fan. Yeah, yeah uh, watch that one. That one's out there. So local 49er fans, uh, go check that out. Your best on one yet. YouTube.com slash Weekly Spiral. Your best yeah, one yet, it's, unbiased. It's a little bit more scheme. Yeah, you can see what Shanahan's doing with him uh, and uh, what he, he might need to do to, to get even better, which is kind of scary considering, you know, Debo Samuel is, came on very strong at the end of the year and can still get better. True. Nice. True. Yeah, check that out, YouTube.com slash Weekly Spiral. You will not be disappointed. Durgan, what about you? Yes. I got a Najee Harris, Alabama running back, and oh. Bay Area native. Local, yeah, I think from Antioch. Uh, the Antioch, he, yep. he, he ran all over my <laughs> Pinole Valley Spartans a couple of years yeah, ago. he's a beast. He is, uh, he's a beast. I, I don't want to be uh, too uh, too boring with his uh, comparison, but he's Marshawn Lynch. That's nice. what he is. So check yeah. it out. Awesome, awesome. Looking forward to both of those. This has been a weekly spot production, bringing you fresh football every week. Thank you again for sticking with us. We greatly appreciate it. Next week, we'll dive into the defensive side of things as well as some other NFL news, and we are looking forward to that. We hope whatever else you get up to the rest of the day, it is awesome. And we will see you next week for episode 54.